The reason people aren't financially free is they don't know what to do and they don't know where to start. I want you to join Joey and I at the Virtual Inner Circle Live April the 4th through the 6th as we share with you the exact answers to those questions. We only do this event one time per year. I don't want you to miss out. Go to westwatwallstreet.com forward slash live and enter promo code podcast. When you're at this event, you're going to get your investor DNA. You're going to get access to up to six different passive income strategies. So you know, leaving this event, exactly what to do, taking our decades of knowledge so that you can start becoming financially free. Go to wealthwhitewallstreet.com forward slash live and enter the promo code podcast. So I, I'm just loving this 365 days of dadisms, Joey. Oh, I'm loving it too. I'm, I'm, it's like my favorite gift that I never received. <laughs> I mean, there's at least two times a week. I'm like, that's me. Well, here's one for literally right before we press record. It was today's like dadism of the day. It was dad's love showing you funny videos or internet videos that are at least three years old. That is you to a T. I mean, if there's one thing that like, I'm trying to share things with Joey, like you guys are cultured. Like I am, <laughs> you grew up at a time where watching the, you know, cable TV was okay as a kid. Joey didn't get a chance to do that. They Come didn't, on. his parents didn't allow him to watch the things that I got a chance to watch. Now that just means that your brain is not as messed up as mine. That I can, I can check that box <laughs> for sure. Well, here we are. We, we just got finished interviewing Thomas and Gabriel Calkett. Calkett. That what a great name, by the way. I love the way they said that. And as they were doing that, there was a rooster in the background. They were doing their interview outside so you may hear some things there was actually a cat that that jumped into the podcast with us that was a first and had a cat we've had some kids before but never it was cat. quiet it did not it did not add anything to it but, but we could hear there. the rooster a couple of times yes and it like i i have word association I, I hear a word it either takes me to a song or takes me to a movie so when you hear the word rooster what comes to mind a farm a farm yeah literally like that's it that's your only that's word all association that's all i got you would suck at the game. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's terrible. Well, I start thinking, Alice in Chains, Here Comes a Rooster. Yeah, I, I've never heard this song. So, of course, I have to go straight on YouTube. I have to, like, pull up Alice in Chains, and, and I'm, like, waiting for Joey to go, yeah, I've heard that song. Never. <laughs> Oh Never. my goodness. This is this is a first. Yeah. Not. This is actually every day of our life that I'm like laughing at something from a movie or a video and sharing it with Joey and he's like, "Okay. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, I'm sorry. I just I just don't have the breadth of knowledge of internet video knowledge that you have, Russ. I'm so <laughs> you, sorry. You do not. Well, <laughs> that has nothing to do as usual with our our interview today. So Joey, what is something that that you took away that you did learn from our interview today with Thomas and Gabriel. Golly, I, I thought this was a fantastic interview that just got me fired up about the process that we are taking everybody through. And, and they said it, we, we don't talk about this enough, but the value of mentors. Oh yeah. I mean, we, we could have spent the whole time talking about why did they get a mentor? What was it about this person that made them want to spend time with? Or what did they want to learn from this person? But the fact is they started with a mentor and that led them down this path to where they're at today. And I'm just like, where would they be without that? Uh, that is so huge. Mentors, like how do you choose mentors? How do you like, how do mentors choose you as a mentee? That's even more valuable 
And as teachers, I love the fact that they're giving back, right? Somebody poured into them and now they're turning around and giving back. This episode has nothing to do necessarily with mentors. It has to do with their journey to financial freedom. And that journey may be very similar to yours as you're learning about these ideas. You're learning about the infinite banking concept. You're learning about rental properties and short-term rentals and all these things. And maybe you have a goal like theirs to be able to enhance and bless those around you. And I just love how uh, beautifully they described what they learned, what were some of those lessons that helped them overcome obstacles along the way, and how they started to see success through action. And I just want you to take away um, the, this, this process of becoming your own banker, the process of becoming financially free. The work to accomplish it is hard, but the formula is easy. Yeah. And the fact that they're including their children, their six boys are now on this journey to learn how to gain financial independence of their own. And I, I'm just inspired by this. Uh, they also talk about generosity and being able to give back being one of their big goals, which, you know, that's as close to my heart as well. Um, man, I, I, we can't give away the whole interview here. No, let's I think, I think we need to dive in this interview with Thomas and Gabrielle Calkin. Welcome to the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast, your guide to understanding how to get out of the Wall Street rat race and start your own mailbox money lifestyle. Now, don't let these handsome Southern draws fool you. These financial minds are teaching our country to enhance savings, increase cash flow, and create passive income, all without the help of Wall Street. Are you ready to break through? Now, here are your hosts, Russ Morgan and Joey Murray. Welcome into the show. Today, we have a dynamic duo joining us, Gabrielle and Thomas Cockett. Thank you guys so much for being here. You're welcome. welcome. <laughs> you have a wonderful family. I've got a chance to spend a lot of time with you over the years, and I really want to share this story because I think so many people will be inspired by the amount of things that you guys are accomplishing on average day, right? Most of us are successful enough to put on our own pants, get out the door and go to work. <laughs> you guys have six others in the house other than the two of you that you're helping do that same project and then managing real estate, jobs. I'm just fascinated with the amount of stuff. So for those of the uh, are hearing your story for the first time, give the 30-second the version about yourself. All right. So the 30-second version is, We've got six boys, all boys, and uh, I'm a teacher. Uh, Gabrielle's a teacher. Uh, we're both musicians, kind of part-time, and uh, we decided to get into real estate as a way to expand our income base and make some more opportunity for us and our, our sons, and uh, it's been quite an adventure. And why, why real estate? That seems like an obvious question, but I'm sure there's a, a thoughtful answer behind that. Well, Gabrielle's really good with strategy uh, and and playing games. She likes to play games. I'm not really a game person, uh, and she just noticed that there's a there's a better way uh, to use your money. Uh, you had an IRA, right, from your job working. Yeah, he married me for my money. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, actually, the backstory is that my parents um, got some rental properties probably the year we got married or a little bit before, and we've been married for 16 years almost. And uh, about four years ago, I told Thomas, I said, 
if anything happens to my parents, no one in the family wants to take over that. So we probably need to figure out what's going on. It's going to fall on us anyway. Um, and we did have an IRA that um, I had acquired when I was working before we got married. So we decided to tap into that and use that money to buy our first um, long-term rental property. So that started in um, 2017. And, okay, and so we, we were looking for uh, a better sort of more aggressive way to use the money than just leaving it in the IRA for our whole life. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. and, and uh, we've been working at improving that game with a couple long-term rentals and one house that was supposed to be a rental that turned into a flip <laughs> and, uh, and now short-term rentals that we're looking at. So, so, so I'm a little bit unclear of this though. You had the money sitting there in the IRA and you said, we want to get it to create more income to us. Or what was it that made you want to make that change? What was kind of like the spark for that? Well, we didn't really have anything invested like we didn't really feel like we knew what was happening with it. It would just kind of grow, but not a lot. So when we originally started the business, we were kind of thinking twofold. First of all, we needed to know about rentals because we knew we would possibly acquire that down the road for my parents. And we had the six boys and we thought, well, what can they do to earn money and to learn to be financially stable? And we started thinking there's not a lot of options for young men, but if we had properties that maybe they could be in on that process and they all like to destroy things, we thought maybe we could creatively direct that energy towards improving things. <laughs> so that was sort of the, the original thought. Well, I did hear you talk about a flip earlier. Maybe there was some demo in there that you guys got them involved in, I'm assuming. I don't want to talk about <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you mentioned that you were teachers and you guys are really interested in money. So you must be like math teachers or finance teachers or something like that. No, she teaches Ooh. music. <laughs> <laughs> music is slightly mathematical, but I would say that business is, is much more than that. Uh, no, the thing that we realized is um, part of what drives our, um, our business and our business model was our business statement. When we originally started meeting with, um, we started meeting with two mentors and they said, you need to have a, a business like goal. Like, what do you want to do? And we sat down and said, what do we want to do? And my goal is, is really um, selfish. I want to hire a housekeeper so that they can do the cleaning and I can do other things with my family. So that's sort of my like really underlying goal as a mom. So I have more time with my kids. But Thomas and I both really wanted to give back to our communities. We've been very generously blessed. Um, and we wanted to be able to do that. Uh, and we didn't feel like we could. And so our long-term goal was to create income that could be also given out when needed in times of need or emergency for, you know, people in the community, people in the family, things like that. And we just didn't see ourselves having those resources on our own. So that was another reason we started pursuing the business in the first place. Yeah, we could sit around and wait for for uh, someone else to provide resources for different projects or different ministries or different service opportunities, and we decided we wanted to try and do that on our own. Mm -hmm. And we also wanted to teach our boys how to how to work and how to think about money. So the best way to do that would be to go and work. Well, let's talk about some of the advice that you got from mentors, right? Because I think we. We actually got introduced to each other, maybe from one of those mentors, potentially 
mm-hmm. three or four years ago. Tell, yeah. Yeah. tell Joy about that story. Well, um, one of our mentors um, was uh, knew of you and knew of your business. And at the time, I believe it was called Everlight Financial. And so he said, you really need to talk to Russ Morgan. He's going to be really good for helping you get your business started. So I remember we came in and we heard about IBC and uh, this idea of whole life insurance. And you gave us the book by Nelson Nash. And so we were supposed to call you after we read it. (laughs) So I read it three times and I pass things on to Thomas. He tells me me I read really fast. Um, So I am usually the one that takes in all the information and then I try to give him my takeaway. So I do that with all the financial stuff that I read. I just kind of regurgitate it to him. That sounds horrible, but um, just so that we can talk through it. Um, And I kind of mentioned the the main things that I noticed. The book was fantastic, but this is going to sound funny. Y'all were on Facebook and I'm not on Facebook. And I said to Thomas, I really don't know how to get back in touch with them and do this thing. So fast forward to last summer during the pandemic, I was talking to my sister and she wanted to invest a bonus that she got from her boss in a better interest bearing account. And she said, you know, do you have a savings account that you recommend? And I said, well, you know, there's this Everlight Financial Group. You really should look into them. And she's like, well, can you find out and let me know? And I said, sure. So then I went and found that you had changed and rebranded to Wealth Without Wall Street. And I joined the community and I started like looking at the resources that were there. And I said, Thomas, I've landed on a gold mine. And so then I told her about it. I told my parents about it. Um, I told everybody that I could think of that would benefit from it. So I've had, as far as I know, I think there's been four or five people that have joined up um, just from talking with them about it. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of where our, our, our connection is. And, and of course we kicked ourselves going, why didn't we start the IBC policy sooner? Um, but I think it was that we just, we're still trying to figure things out and how it worked. Yeah. And uh, maybe it would be encouraging to people to know that we just sort of blundered through a lot of the <laughs> developing the business early on. Um, so our mentors gave us a few pointers um, about setting up an LLC and just a couple other details. But um, it took us a lot of trouble to figure out how to efficiently finance purchasing a home. Because when you buy it as an individual, it's a totally different scheme. Mm-hmm. the way that banks finance that from when you buy it as a business. And nobody told us that. Yeah. So we had to figure that out. Uh, we had to figure out what was involved in running rentals, long-term rentals. We got this one house and and uh, then it was a while before we got a second house. But um, there was a lot of sort of feel in our way. Mm-hmm. And uh, and now we're doing it again. It's so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> now we're trying it with short-term rentals. So it sounds like you guys have failed forward, which is awesome. That's what we talk about on the show all the time. Like, I almost feel like you cannot be successful without failure. But yeah. the the thing that you brought up was infinite banking, IBC, and how you learned about it. And then you were kicking yourself. What was it about infinite banking that you learned that you're like, oh, why weren't we doing this the whole time? I think for me, as I read through it the first time, I understood the policy thing and how to take you know, loans from your policy. But what really has become clear to me is that forming a policy is like providing yourself a savings account. And it's a, it's so backwards from the way most people save money that I really appreciate in the IBC, I think it's 101, the second um, episode where it talks about chasing zero. I think that's you, Joey, that talk about that. When I watched that episode, that really caused it to click for me. 
I realized that I'm, I'm probably not the saver, but I'm more likely to be the spender to go out, get the money and then repay it over time. Whereas somebody else would save it, but we're both doing the same thing, getting back to zero. Yeah. And so I really liked when I started understanding what IBC could do, I thought, oh, well, then last year, for instance, we had a an emergency. We had to repair a foundation and we had to dig out of the, at that time, we still had a, a 401k with money in it and we pulled the money out to pay for the repair. But if we'd had an IBC policy, we could have put that money right back in. But with the 401k, we can't return it the same way. And so we lost all that. I mean, we repaired the problem, but we didn't really do ourselves any favors. But of course, I didn't understand that back in January of last year. And then of course COVID hit and, you know, there's just been a lot of uncertainty. And I realized, like you said, you fall forward and that's kind of what we did last year. And now we're hopefully in a better position, you know, 14 months from now. (laughs) Thomas, anything you'd add to that? No, I don't think so. Except like with, with any kind of investment program, there's time is money. Mm-hmm. And so the sooner you learn these tricks or the sooner you get involved in it, the better. Um, it's really not rocket science. It's like a, it's like planting a garden. The sooner you go ahead and plant the garden, the sooner that that produce will be mm-hmm. ready. And if you don't plant it, you missed it for the season. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You just missed out though. Are you looking for ways to implement ideas, get exposure to new ones and be surrounded by people on the same journey as you? Joey, where can they go to do that? Go to wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash community. You can join for free today. There's so much wisdom in that. We we talk about that all the time. That when when looking back on this, the number one complaint we have is that boy, we wish we would have done it sooner or put more money in or whatever it is. But but it also, you know, if that's the most common response. It's always then, you know, the the logical idea or the logical thought to that as well. But there was something that was preventing me from making that decision early on, right? There was something that I didn't quite understand early on. Otherwise, I would have done that differently. And I know you mentioned for you that one of them is that you just couldn't find us uh, on Facebook because you didn't have Facebook. (laughs) But other than that, was there any, because someone who's listening to you maybe potentially have never even heard the concept of infinite banking, haven't watched any of the videos, haven't read the book. They don't even really understand what you're talking about. They've heard the word life insurance. They think, why would anybody borrow money from a life insurance policy? I thought you just died to get it out. So they could be hearing this from the very first time, but there was when you read it, you know, clearly at, over time it made sense, but early on, what were some of those like obstacles you had to mentally get over before you thought, Oh, this does make sense. I think for me, I wanted to make sure that we had a way to fund it. Mm-hmm. Like it was one thing to take the chunk of change and put it in the policy. But the mm-hmm. big question I had is, okay, so we have to be making payments on this and where is that coming from and how do we secure that? So that was one big thing. And then we didn't, after we got it set up, we weren't entirely sure how you drew money out of it. So <laughs> I remember we were like, okay, how does this work? I mean, uh, Mark Karaguchi was helping us and he made it sound really simple. We're like, okay, it should be really simple. Like, so just, it just was actually so simple, it's hard to believe to pull <laughs> the money true. out uh, and even yeah. to repay it. It's sort of, it's so much simpler mm-hmm. than I think most investment or business or financial mm-hmm. decisions are mm-hmm. yeah, it's kind of a shock yeah yeah talk about like you you said it is so simple so clearly you've used 
the policy um, because it was so simple. Talk a little bit about what that process looks like. For someone who doesn't know how simple that process is, tell us. Well, the most complicated thing was logging into the to the life insurance policy site. That's the most complicated thing. Because we always forget our passwords. <laughs> but, but after that, it's it was pretty simple. We just we were able to just say this is the amount that we needed to pull out, um, and 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 that was done. I mean, it's it's really it's kind of scary how simple it is. Mm-hmm. I think in the decision making process, it was a little bit more involved to say, okay, how much do we need to pull out for this particular project? We used some of that money to set up uh, our first short term rental. Mm-hmm. And so never having done it before, we were kind of estimating. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, and we used some of our other business funds to actually make the purchases and then kind of use the short term rental to pay those off because they were on, that was the like the business credit card, right? So, yeah, so we so it was a higher interest rate, and it wasn't being paid back to our policy; it was being paid to the bank. So yeah. uh, we were in a hurry to pay that off. So we used the the policy to do that once we got that money, mm-hmm. and and now it's it's kind of more under our control. So well, and for example, last evening Thomas and I sat down for about what twenty minutes, and I brought up the policy, and I said, you know. Now that we've done the short-term rental, we have income coming from that property, um, we can set up a way to pay this policy back. And so now we've set it up as an automatic payback. And I would like to back up a little bit and say, from listening to other people who have this policy or different policies, um, one thing that Thomas and I are both committed to is that the policy is only going to be used to produce income for our family. So we will Mm -hmm. not use it to buy anything that doesn't produce income because we have to have a way of repaying that policy amount. So um, to have started the short-term rental the last week of February of 2021, and we are now halfway through March and we are already starting to pay back the policy makes both of us feel really confident that we've done the right thing. Um, Because I think if we were looking at it as a personal expense, it would be really nerve wracking. (laughs) So that to me is the beauty of that that process. And like I said, it, it wasn't that we couldn't have done it sooner, but we both are very, uh, we like to look ahead and like he said, figure out how we were going to pay it back. So we had to make sure that our budget would allow it and we're pretty good about budgeting. And then we also wanted to make sure that the properties would pay it back. Um, and and we have about four, four and we manage a fifth. Yeah. So we have four properties and and they don't produce, the long-term rentals don't produce very much actually. And whenever something breaks, it's very expensive to repair. Um, and nobody sees it. It's a roof. It's a plumbing issue. It's a electrical wiring. And all that stuff was just killing our profits. And we were just like, wow, why are we in this, you know? And uh, then when we started doing the short-term rental and saw that Yes, there's a big expense on the front end, but it's not a whole lot different than putting that money out for a down payment on a regular house. But then we're immediately seeing a return on that investment. And what's the return? It's like, it's crazy. It's like 10 times what we get off of Yeah, like we work years to see that with the other properties. So I kind of liken the properties that we have to our long-term properties would be kind of like bonds. So they mature more slowly. And uh, short-term rentals is a little more like stocks because you don't have that consistent tenant who's staying in the property. You do have a little bit more heartburn sometimes because you don't know, you know, what if they trash the place? What if they, you know, destroy it? But even so, 
you were talking about it because we just had some tenants leave and they broke the coffee maker, but that's like 60 bucks, you know, and every other property, it's been like thousands, <laughs> you know, termite <laughs> damage. So in the grand scheme of things, it's like pennies on the dollar to repair versus hundreds of dollars in profit. So it's a really good thing. Oh, I'm so sorry. The cat decided to jump. For those of you not watching this live, we just had a, a new member to the podcast. We, we have a black cat. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I love that. But by the way, I want to jump in. So, Gabrielle, what you just said was really, uh, really amazing. How you see the policy is a means to obtain an asset that will more than pay back the loan by which you took to obtain it. And I think you actually astutely at one point told us this, it was offline, but you said, it's just amazing to me. Sometimes people just see this as a way to just to pay for expenses, but why don't people see this as a way to create more passive income? Like the, the policy is a means to that end. You said it way better than I just did, but <laughs> you know, hearing you say that again, just reminds me you're seeing this in such a different light. What, what do you kind of give credit to you seeing it that way for? Well, I think I liken it to the fact that when we bought our first rental property and we started looking at financing it just through a bank loan from a mortgage company, um, it was really cumbersome. Uh, when you buy a property, they want basically your firstborn child. And <laughs> we went to buy the first property and we were about $500 short, but because it was an income producing property, no one could give us that money. So what my mom did was she lent us money to live on and we just sat on every bit of income we had so we could finance our first rental. Mm. And we still were running into problems. And then we were directed to a local bank and we worked with the banker and we actually got a business loan for that property. And it happened in eight days. And we were like, this is a different, you know, we're comparing apples and oranges. And far fewer um, bits of paperwork. Oh my goodness, yes. <laughs> you know, if you're buying a house for yourself, residential, it's a nightmare mm -hmm. compared to buying it through the business. I think that made us aware of the fact that you, you want to invest in the business. You don't want to yeah. be, I don't know, you don't want to spend all your income on yourself. You've got to make sure you yeah. put some away. It's like, I don't know, go back to the gardening. It's like, <laughs> it's like if you, you could plant a field full of wheat, you've got to save some of the wheat for seed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you eat it all, that's great, but then it's gone. Yeah. So you have to you have to keep investing it so that you have continual harvest. So, mm -hmm. all right. Yeah. So I, I want to jump in with a, a follow-on question before you're talking about the short-term rentals you've obtained, and uh, I know you are part of our short-term rental mastermind that just began in January. Um, talk to somebody as if they've never heard of this strategy, like how you got involved. What were what what does it look like for you? Well. Um, Back in the summer during COVID, my um, parents were looking to purchase a duplex. And I told them that Alabama doesn't really do duplexes. We have a lot of townhomes, but duplexes, fourplexes, you just don't see very many of them. Certainly not high-end ones. That's not the way they build down here. And so my sister started looking and she's like, well, I found one in Tuscaloosa. And I said, oh, that's college housing. And then she said, well, I found one in Opelika. And I said, oh, that's college housing. And then she said, I found one in Gulf Shores, Alabama. And I said, oh. <laughs> so we um, started exploring back in uh, late April. We started exploring this property. And it was a 
it was a duplex and it was two blocks from the beach and it was furnished. And as we looked into it, we found out it was being run as an Airbnb, which is what most people think of when they think of a short-term rental. And uh, the current owners were bringing in, I think 2020 brought in like $69,000 gross profit. And we thought, wow, that's pretty nice. And because of COVID, um, my parents were buying it and they couldn't actually come down and see it. So as soon as school let out, I told my sons, I said, now use the restroom and grab a snack. And we're not stopping because we don't know what's open. This was May 15th and everything in Alabama was closed pretty much. And so I said, let's just go check it out. And uh, while we're there, we'll just make sure we don't mess it up because we're just looking. And so that was our field trip for the end of the 2020 school year. We got there and we started looking around and we were really impressed. It was really nice and everything. So then um, came back and I told my family, I said, you know, I, I think you should, you should buy this one. This is a good one. But um, again, buying a property versus and again, when you buy it for a business, you look at things differently. So I took pictures of the HVAC system, the drains, the plumbing, all that. And yeah, that's actually my job is to make sure the yeah. plumbing is right. Yeah, I, I'm the repairman and she does the business financial side. So she's sending me all these pictures. Yeah. Of, look at this plumbing. <laughs> look at the ceiling here. What do you think about this? Is this a serious problem or not? And so after that, they went ahead and they did buy it. And then uh, we started taking ownership of the property, but when you take ownership, um, you take on ownership's problems. And so you fix a lot of really big things. So even though it brings in a large amount of income, there's still a large amount of expense. And we found out we had to redo the bathtub and we had to upgrade the pool and there were other things. And so then I was curious about short-term rentals, but I really wasn't sold on them yet. Cause I didn't know a lot. And then, um, started looking at different podcasts. I watched the one from December of 2019 with uh, Brian Page talking about short-term rentals. The uh, broadcast was about how he was um, renting short-term rentals to turn into, or renting properties to turn into short-term rentals. And I watched it with my 11-year-old son and he got done and he said, mom, this is genius. Because <laughs> he's been in on all of our repairs. And at that time we had just sold this this flip that was not supposed to be a flip that we won't talk anymore about um and so he knew all the work that we had put into this place to try to sell it and fortunately we were able to regain everything we put in but we only made for two years profit or work we probably only made maybe ten thousand dollars so it was really expensive on our family like time-wise and um so he was really excited about the short-term rentals and so the more we looked into it we're like, we want to go down this path. And then you all said you were going to do a short-term rental mastermind. And we like, we're in, like, we want to do this. So that's how we got started was just kind of being aware of it. Cause my parents bought this property, but then we're more interested in renting a property and turning it into an Airbnb, which we have done one. So, yeah, that's so cool. I mean, you, it's, it, you obviously can tell that they're teachers, Joey. They they love to uh, be researchers of things and then start applying and start teaching those around. And, and their kids are, are picking up on that. And I think we could probably do a whole podcast episode of just talking to your oldest to learn about the things that they've been funny. learning. <laughs> yeah, that, that is so fun that, that you guys are getting them involved. And so smart, too, because – 
I love the fact that your families interact and talk about money because that's a, th- a lesson I'm taking away from this podcast is that when we get families involved and, and we don't operate in silos, how we can learn from those lessons instead of all making them separately and never knowing what those things are. And I just love that you are sharing this so freely with those who are on this uh, listening to this podcast today. So thank you so much. I, I know we could probably keep going on and on and on, but I want to be a good steward of your time. I really appreciate you just sharing your 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 journey. And the only thing I want to leave, uh, you, you mentioned that one goal that you had um, was to get a housekeeper. The other goal was to be able to give generously. So what? how, how would you say you're on that journey? Like what what is, you know, as a percentage, how close are we to achieving some of those things? And are there other things outside of that that you guys are on the horizon of, of uh, obtaining? Well, I, I, we don't have any kind of a housekeeper yet. Um, <laughs> we are training the boys. They're <laughs> working around the house. So that's, yeah. It's getting there. I think that girls are supposed to be better at this sort of thing, but we are training them that it's nice to have clean clothes and a nice clean room and to sleep in a bed that's been made. We're just trying to get them used to civilization. (laughs) Uh, But um, we're definitely more free to give than we have been. Not a ton. We don't have a ton of money to throw around. We haven't endowed, you know, set up any foundations or anything yet, but it's on the horizon though. But we, we are more free. Yeah. Mm. Uh, And that's what we wanted to be able to invest in and take care of people. And, and so we've Mm -hmm. been able to, we've been able to help some, uh, family members who've been in difficult situations and some some neighbors and um, we like that. I mean, I, my, money is a tool, and one of the reasons that money one of the reasons that money is a good tool and it's not an end in itself. You know, nobody loves a hammer. A hammer is no good except for what you can do with it. Right. And money is a tool. Yeah. And one of the things you can do with money is you can bless people, mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. we don't want to miss out on it. So we're excited about that. Well, I will tell you, you have been blessing many. This podcast has been downloaded over 300,000 times already. And so there's there's people all over the world who are hearing you and being blessed by what you have learned and now shared. So thank you for doing that. And thank you for coming on today's episode. And thank you for listening to this episode. And I hope that you will take some of Thomas's Gabriel's advice and to do your own research, uh, to not be uh, afraid to take action and to share that with others so that you too can bless those around you. So as always, have an amazing day and thank you for listening to this podcast. This has been the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show to break free of the Wall Street mindset and begin building wealth on your own terms in places you understand so that your wealth will never run dry. See you next episode.